Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello there and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I'm Paul. And I'm Ken. Hello. Hello. What have you got for us this time? Show turn. Simple pleasures. I thought maybe we could do it in a similar way to the way we did the Room 101 episode where we get to pick three things Mm. that are simple pleasures that we enjoy. Well, what are you starting us off with? I am going to start off with uh, something that's a very personal one, but I love it. And it is walking my daughter to school. Oh, <laughs> uh, so she is ten. She'll, well, she'll shortly be eleven, and she's in the final year of primary school. We live just around the corner from from the primary school. It's about a ten minute walk, and every chance that I get, I walk her to school. She doesn't need to be walked to school because you know she's quite sensible; she can do it herself. But. That 10 minutes, I get a little glimpse into her life and she talks about just, you know, stuff that's happened in school and people, you know, she mentions people and you just get a a little glimpse. But also as we're getting closer and closer to the end of primary school, and I know that's not going to happen anymore. It's making me treasure it that little bit more because there's going to come a time when I walk her to school for the last time. Oh, mate. Yeah. It's just really nice. We talk about nonsense, usually stuff that she's watched on YouTube and she wants to share with me, but it's just, yeah, just nice. So that's my first thing. That's beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Well, mine is cups of tea. (laughs) And specifically that very first mouthful in the morning. Mm. You you wake up and your mouth's like straw and... (laughs) The pleasure that I get every morning, every single morning from that first mouthful of tea, is I always brew up in a pot, I've got a china cup and et cetera, et cetera. But just that first sip, even if some mornings I get up and I just find I'm, I'm absolutely claggy as hell for, me, uh, for whatever reason. So I'm like a pint mug of tea, <laughs> proper. I like gallons of tea in the morning. Mm. That first mouthful to wake up. The, and the way I always look at it is this. However bad the day is going, even if that is the only pleasure <laughs> I get that day, it's still more than millions of other people get. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That first sip of tea, again, it doesn't matter whether it's at five o'clock in the morning and you're just rushing <laughs> as you're rushing out of the house or whether you get, you actually get time to sit down and enjoy it. That that first. Mm. Yeah. So, but I, I take tea very seriously. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, in fact, your cup is, is used every... You got me a lovely Hendrix cup and saucer set, and that gets used every day. Oh. So, yes, I, I love that. So it's a bizarre thing to, to imagine, but it, I've often postulated that if I ever was given the option, you've either got to give up tea or you've got to give up alcohol. Alcohol would go every time. I, I couldn't... I could just about stand a world without booze, but I couldn't live without my tea. Excellent. Mm. My second one is... Reading. Hmm. 
Yes. Again, it's something that we all do, <laughs> but whether it's because you're forced to do it in school or it's something that you enjoy. And I always used to read when I got the train into work and I used to love that 25 minute train journey where I just got to crack on with a book and now that I drive to work, <laughs> reading is frowned upon. <laughs> Enjoyed a good book on the drive in this morning. Uh, a lot of other people didn't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So it's quite difficult to find the time. I've always got a pile of books waiting to be read. Any chance that I do get, I crack on with whatever I'm on at the moment. So that's always nice. And also, I think I've mentioned before on the podcast that my husband, Stuart, is an excellent buyer of books. You have, yeah. yes. He always buys you something good for Christmas and birthdays, yes, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. Got- it's not that he's got excellent tasting books, but he knows exactly. He, he can look at a book and think, Paul would like this. Mm. I mean, nine times out of ten, he's spot on. So I've always got a good selection. But yeah, sitting down, usually with a with a cup of tea. <laughs> well, yes, uh, over the years, I've um, the, the only times I get to read now are uh, yeah, on the throne or um, Sunday afternoons mm. when I'm cooking Sunday roast. I might get half an hour or an hour sitting in an armchair with a bottle of wine while the meat roasts. Mm. That might be. But my reading time has gone down almost to nothing now. Yeah. And I'm really sad about it because I love my books. <laughs> I really love it. So much so I've put a moratorium on buying them anymore because <laughs> I just don't have time. And as I read them, I get rid of them. I don't hoard them like I used to because the house was in danger of tipping over. <laughs> but yes, uh, excellent choice. Yeah, reading. And I think it's one of those things that children should be encouraged to mm, I try. Because if you, if you get them when they're young, there's half a chance that they'll carry that on into adulthood. Yes. Uh, well, my second choice is... Audio. Oh. Yeah. I've always been into media creation, as, as yeah. you know. Uh, and for a long while, I was a video producer. That was primarily what, what I did. And uh, I moved into audio in about 2016. And it spun off from there. But I mean, it started a long time before. I got bought a Parkworks magazine when I was about five or six for my birthday called Storyteller. I don't know whether you remember that. Hey. Yeah, it came every fortnight with a cassette and it was written, read by people like Ian Lavender and Brian Blessed. They'd right. all read a story each and... Uh, what's her name? John Thor's wife, Hancock, Sheila, Sheila Hancock. All those real big names mm. at the time. And they were lovely. And so it generated a love of audio books and audio dramas, which progressed from there. And so I just love sitting, cutting either a podcast or something I'm recording for a client or a, a job or anything or something that I've even just recorded for my own pleasure. It doesn't cost anything. It's just marvellous. And you've got something, you've produced that at the end of it, and you can listen to it and think, oh, well, the sound's not quite right on that. I'll re-record that bit. Or that sounds brilliant. It's exactly Mm. how I wanted to create. I've created this world for myself. Or conversely, I love audio dramas. I'll buy a, a particular company, Big Finish. They produce lots of audio dramas. And you can just put the headphones on and lose yourself in whatever world they've conjured up with sound. Yeah, and because it's audio, you don't have to be in front of a, a TV. Mm. So you can be, as you, you said before, about you can be cooking or mm. like, listening to it. And, I mean, by yeah. far and away, my favourite time for listening to audio is in a darkened room with just lit by candles, 
taking a brand new CD out of the case, putting it in. There's something reverential about putting it into the player <laughs> and looking at the cover and and just sitting down and putting your headphones on and listening to it, and it's just poured into your head. I absolutely adore audio. It's a medium that I think has gained a bit of a resurgence in recent years. So yeah. Certainly with uh, Audible, I could never have predicted that audiobooks would have gone the way that they've gone, but they've really picked up in recent years. And people listen to them on their commutes. It's yeah. a great way of passing the time on a commute. I One that missed the grade, it's not my final choice, but one that missed the grade was crosswords, which is what I do <laughs> on my commute. I love the cryptic crossword, but I, I see a lot of other people and they're plugged in on a commute. And every now and again, you'll catch that they're listening to an audio uh, an audio book. So yeah, that's my, that's my second pleasure. I think Harry Potter uh, had a lot to do with that. Because, that might be true, actually, yeah. yes. The the colossal 37-hour <laughs> monsters that were each book, read by Stephen Fry, <laughs> yeah. his inimitable voice. But, yeah, I know a lot of a lot of kids really invested in the audio mm. versions of those, and I couldn't quite believe it. See, this is why I've, uh, anyone that, that derides Harry Potter, the books or the stories, that got so many kids reading yeah. that would never have picked up a book. So whether you like the stories or not, it got kids reading. It's not a bad thing if a child picks up a book voluntarily. No. (laughs) My third and final choice is... The Pub. (laughs) Oh, splendid. I mean, I think this covers a multitude of things, because similar to you, there were quite a few things that had to be cut. Mm. And I think The Pub just sort of covers... A lot of it. So whether it's going to the pub for a quiz night uh, hosted by your good self, <laughs> which are always so much fun, or whether it's going on a Saturday afternoon when you've got nothing yeah. else to do and just having a few pints, or going out on a an impromptu date night mm. when we've all of a sudden got no kids and we just nip out. One thing that we, before we had kids, when we lived in Manchester, we'd always find some excuse on a Saturday morning that we had to go into the city centre to buy, you know, shopping, Mm -hmm. you know, and then on the way home, we'd just stop in a pub just for a couple, you know, and it's a nice day and then end up just staying there for the whole (laughs) whole rest of the day. And I mean, there's so many different kinds of pubs and bars and clubs. So there's something for everyone. I am entirely with you on this. (laughs) My favourite type of pub is the old, Mm. proper, hundreds of years old pub with brasses and a log fire and real ales and just steeped in history. Again, we went to York not long back and the ancient pubs in there, older than time itself. And (laughs) you feel the weight of history. How many people have been in this pub over the years? What was it like 300 years ago in this bar? So I'm entirely with you and then this... We had a day out for Platinum Jubilee last year Mm -hmm. and we never, bizarre as it sounds, we never actually get any time just one-on-one just to go to the pub. (laughs) And it was a lovely day and I I adored it. And yeah, like you say, either date nights or just nipping for a pint with your your other half or... Even even going to the pub on your own, you know, like when I'm away with work and stuff. I love sitting in the pub on my own. See, people don't get it, but I'm quite happy to... I used to do it all the time. Many, many years ago, I used to, on a Sunday afternoon, I'd bung something in the oven and bike off to the local pub, mm. sit in a corner with my book, have a few pints. And I, that was my Sunday afternoons. Yeah. I, I loved those days. I can't begin to say how 
No, it's not for everybody. And I think it's more a male thing than a women's thing. Probably. That might be changing. I could be doing everybody a disservice there, but the pub is just... It's always, there's two things I always say that look very, very sad when they shut down. One is a church and the other is a pub. And when you drive past either of those two buildings, it's more sad than any other type of building that's mm. derelict. Yes. Yes. So let's keep them open by drinking in them as often as possible. Yes. <laughs> oh, ye old country pub. <laughs> well, on a sort of similar theme, my third and final choice is Sunday roast. Oh. Yeah, I love cooking. I love being in the kitchen. I love filling up the corners with people and pouring as much wine down people (laughs) as I possibly can so that everybody has a a jolly old time. But Sunday roast is that one still point of the week. And it's usually chicken in our house. But last week we had brisket. Mm. um, Found a, a lovely joint on the pauper shelf in Morrison's. So that got bunged in the oven. But you just bung the meat in, particularly on a cold winter's day. I'll light the fires and get them roaring so the house is nice and toasty, the rain lashing against the window or something. Everybody's <laughs> inside with something crappy on the telly, wrapped up with snuggle blankets or something, or I'll sit there with a book and a glass. Smell of roasting meat wafting through the house. <laughs> Lay the table with you know proper linens and candles and things. And just make a real meal of it. My two absolutely love it. They get very disappointed when, <laughs> when there's no Sunday roast or whatever. If, if we're out or it just doesn't coincide or if Dawn's daughter has to go out before we're having... She gets really quite upset. She, she loves it. And I love cooking it. So it is the king of dinners. Mm. And uh, the king of kings is Christmas dinner. Yes. Which I really go to town for. And that's that's everything. So, yeah, Sunday roast. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And again, you can, whether it's you on your own. Yes, uh, uh, frequently. Yeah, yeah. I've done that in the past. Yeah. Or uh, having, as you say, with hundreds of people around or just, you know, just the two of you. It's nice. It's something that everyone likes and just the smell of the house as well. (sighs) Well, the the other thing is it's a very (laughs) easy meal to stretch. So it doesn't matter if people are late for a Sunday dinner. You can stretch the time on it a long way. Just turn the oven down and nothing's Mm. going to spoil. Or if you've got an unexpected extra guest for dinner, it will stretch to that extra guest. It's just a real easy meal to make. This is why whenever I have guests over, it tends to be Sunday lunch (laughs) or a colossal slab of pie or something. Because it's just... uh, it's just easy. And it's a very English thing. Mm. And you know how traditional I am, but I love the English traditions that we have. And there's a reason why they've gone on so long, because they're bloody brilliant. Absolutely. Yes. An excellent choice. Mm. That's the end of our simple pleasure, pleasure. choices. Yeah. I'm sure we could probably pick out another 10 each. So <laughs> I'm sure we'll be revisiting. We'll be revisiting, yeah, volume one of this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As we're keeping on the Room 101 style theme, Mm. I would like to finish with a screening Queens. (laughs) Yes, what have we got? Well, it'll come as no surprise. Our simple pleasures choice of screening Queens this week is Doctor Really? (laughs) Yeah. It's just one of those things. I mean, there's so many episodes and... If you go back to the original, there's even more episodes. But 
there's always something to suit your mood. Mm. So at the moment, I am working through all of the new Who episodes. Where are you up to? Series 7. Oh, so you're still in Matt Smith? Yes, I'm on Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Oh, dear. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, is... not one to recommend. <laughs> Don't watch that one, kids. That's a Chris Chibnall episode. <laughs> not really. Oh. No. But there is just, there's something about it. So, as I said, I travel with work quite a lot. And so it's nice when I'm in the hotel room on my own, pop on the iPlayer and just... I either continue my rewatch or there's always episodes that you just think, oh, you know, I'm going to watch that again or, you know, something mm. to suit uh, suit your mood. And it, it's there's something for everyone, as we've, we've mentioned several times on recent podcasts, even the episodes that we aren't particularly fond of, someone will like. I mean, well, I'm not sure about dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, one, the thing I'll say about, um, I'm going to discount the entire Jodie Whittaker career because I, I, there, there were very few even... <laughs> average points in that that was just a dreadful run of stories but even the weaker episodes of say the Eccleston Tennant Smith Capaldi run they were entertaining because of the acting in them the, mm. the, the, there was something in there even though they were a bit crap but uh, and I don't think you really dip into the classic series do you not so much no but I go through phases, and I know I'm not alone with this. You'll you'll have a I'm in a William Hartnell mood today, so you'll. It's bizarre. It, it's just bizarre, but it's the most wonderful format for a program. Mm. Um, I know it's not for everybody. Uh, uh, science fiction, and it's always going to be viewed as science fiction by people who've you know they might not even try it because it's, I'm not I don't I'm not in science fiction. We'll just give it a go. <laughs> but it can go anywhere. It can be anything. It can be historical, future, present. Alien planets or down a mine, it, it just doesn't matter. It can go anywhere from week to week, and it doesn't need to explain why, because yeah. it's just this great, flexible format, and it's got the best theme tune in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, my, my favourite episode of all is still Day of the Doctor. That is a piece of writing genius. Oh, that, that's coming up soon on my oh, uh, I think I've seen that one more than any other episode. It's just <laughs> yeah. marvellous. It's also got John Hurt in it. Yes. So, yes, now we'll just reminisce about Doctor Who for several more hours, but we will leave you, our dear listener, to to go and find some of your own simple pleasures. And we'll be back very soon with yet more for your listening pleasure. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Nine Bob Note featured Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Title music was by Mark Scheiman, and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.